your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. The majority of early years educators are finding recruitment extremely difficult. A new report by the union SIP2 has found. Unfortunately, the situation is also reflected locally here in Limerick. The Northside Family Resource Centre are just one of many childcare providers who are coming out to say that the quality of the service can be impacted as a result of not being able to get the staff that they really need. And CEO of Northside Family Resource Centre, Kira Kane and Limerick Mum, Janet Whelan are both with me now and Kira's with me in the studio. Good morning to you. How are you doing? Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me in. So how many spaces at the centre are you registered to provide? But how many can you actually provide because of what I've just been talking about? Yes, yeah, so we have two earlier services and an after school service, one located in um, Kings Island and the other one in Balanante. So in total across all the services, we can provide 199 full time equivalent places, which actually amounts to about 308 children um, we would normally accommodate. So at the moment, we're actually providing 159 full time equivalent places. So that's about 230 children. So um, that's about a shortage, that's a further shortage of 70 places or 70 children who don't have childcare places. How many staff do you have and how many would you need ideally? Um, I think at the moment we probably have about 30 early years workers um, where we would have vacancies. It's probably in about 18 or 19 vacancies we have. And what has been happening when you've looked for staff? There's no applications coming in. So there's no one even to shortlist or to interview. So my experience is that while the universities are... um, there are graduates coming out of the universities they are not coming into the sector mm. I heard someone from Dublin childcare facility last week uh, say that uh, they had listed people for interview, invited them based on some advertising that they'd done and they had gone through I think a couple of days when not one person turned up for the interview even though they'd accepted it and it seemed to mainly be because they'd gone off and done other things or they'd got jobs or you know it's a very hot jobs market as they'd say at the moment. It is and each of the providers within the city and across the country we're just pulling from each other so if somebody is leaving is if somebody is coming into one of our settings they're leaving another setting which is putting pressure on them as well so it's a doggy dog world for those workers out there at the moment. Mm. How do you get your message out there that you need staff? Um, well, we go through the normal recruitment procedures, you know, we advertise all of that and also word of mouth. So we would have quite a good reputation as well. We're very lucky because we've been established such a long time. There was a core of early years workers there that are very loyal and very dedicated to the children that they work with. And that keeps us stable, you know. It's actually those who are starting to move on now. Some of our workers actually aren't returning to the workplace after maternity leave because they can't get childcare themselves um, or that they're trying to get mortgages and their salaries aren't high enough to secure those mortgages. So they're moving out of the sector. So we've had a very slow and steady um, workforce kind of leave us, um, especially the younger staff, leave us and move into other sectors altogether. But we just can't replace those staff now. And we've been saying this for the good five, six years now, we've been alerting the state that this is happening and that it's having a very negative impact on on all families, but especially women and their careers as well. Mm-hmm. And you were making the point earlier about full-time equivalents and and all of that and the number of kids you can cater for. Why is that 
breakdown in existence in terms of the number of children that you can look after uh, being higher? Is that because they only do a few hours at a time in some instances? Or? Yeah, so we would have six preschools, for example, in one of our services. So those six preschools, while there can be 22 in each room at any given time, that could be catering up to, you know, a few hundred children. Um, so it depends. Some parents are full-time, some, some children are full-time, some are part-time and so on, yeah. Sure, yeah. But we're chatting to the CEO of Northside Family Resource Centre here in Limerick, Kira Kane and Limerick mum Janet Whelan is on the line as well. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. Good, good. So I know you're a working mum. Your partner's also working. So what is it like trying to juggle childcare and job? Oh, so like I work full-time nights and my partner is full-time days. So the way it is at the minute is he starts work at 8am. There's often mornings there he'll have to drop the kids into me. I drop my eight-year-old to school. Then I'd have to stay up with the baby throughout the day and then go back in and do nights that night. So we're exhausted, if anything. Um, so, like, when my eight-year-old went to crash, I didn't experience anything like this. I wasn't expecting it to be as bad. And I have his name down since I was actually pregnant. So he's on that waiting list well over a year now and just still no sign of any place for him. Mm, so, sorry. yeah, it's completely different this time around. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? In that period of time, it's become so much worse. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and like back then, I put my son's name, the eight-year-old, I think down about three months before he actually got a place. He got a place right away. And to think that this baby must be about, I'd say, 14 months now on the list. Um, and I was due to go back to work in November and like that couldn't go back um, due to childcare and come January we had to regard some mortgage payments going out and things like that. I had no other choice. I had to go back to work in January. So, um, yeah, like like I said, only for where I work, I'm actually delighted that he can be dropped into me because if I was in a factory or somewhere like that, there's no way like that would be able to happen. So, um yeah, that's where yeah. we spend at the minute. Yeah, so what's happening in your case is you need to sleep. And that's, th- it, that's yeah. where the childcare comes into the equation. But if you don't have the childcare, you can't sleep even though you're working night shifts. That's it. Like, it was grand all along, say, I'd finish nights and I'd drop my son to school. And while he was in school, then I'd get my few hours sleep. And um, now it's just a total different ball game now altogether. Mm. I mean... <laughs> It's very hard to cope with that constant exhaustion, isn't it? That is, oh, it is like, and then say, you're trying to function, then I collect my son from school, you're trying to sit down and do homework with him, and you're just absolutely exhausted. You, you can't, like... And Janet, is it a combination of not being able to get childcare and the cost when you get it, or is the cost a secondary concern for you right now? No, that's the thing. We don't even know what the cost is. Like, our main priority at the minute is just securing a place for him and when we secure that that'll be our our next step and see what the cost is we actually haven't even an idea and we heard that the prices right you went up but i suppose our main thing now at the minute is securing a place for him in a crash do you have any external help for childcare? as in which beyond uh, you know the formal child care scenarios family and the like uh, you see, that's the thing, like, both our families work full-time. Mm. Um, 
like, and that's that's what everyone seems to be saying. Oh, if there was only someone around there to take him for a few hours, but there actually is no one around to take him for those few hours. If there was, we'd be laughing, you know. But do, no, yeah. there actually isn't. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, the state are saying at the same time, oh, you know, we have um, a huge number of vacancies to be filled in various sectors uh, across the economy. We want couples both working, but that isn't possible, Janet, unless there's a way of providing childcare on a consistent and affordable basis, is it? That's it, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very tough for you. Um, so that's Janet Whelan talking to us. And, and as I mentioned, the CEO of Northside Family Resource Centre, Kira Kane, is here as well. Any solutions, any thoughts? What can be done, Kira? Yeah, I suppose like it, the baseline is really poor at the moment. Like the the, sec- the sector is on brink of collapsing. There's no two ways about that. Is that serious? Yeah, no, it, it really is. It's never been like this before. We have 264 children on our waiting list and we checked the waiting list to make sure that they were still active, you know, that they were still seeking a place. And they are seeking a place. Imagine if there was 264 children in Limerick looking for primary or secondary school. We, ha- we had 23 children without secondary school places and there was uproar and rightly there should be uproar. There should be uproar about 264 children not having access to childcare. That's an equality issue for the parents and for, for the mothers and it is also an issue for those children themselves. Childcare not only helps women to go to work, it is also a protective factor in many children's lives as well. We have all the referrals coming in from the homeless services because those children rightly so, they should be in earlier settings because their home is a hotel room more often than not. So we try and give them as much opportunities as possible and then we we have the increased demand coming from primary care as well, sending in those children with additional needs and they deserve a place. They all deserve a place. There's 264 without a place right now. Um, I think the solutions are complicated. I, I think basically we need to move away from this ad hoc development of such a critical service and it needs to fall into line as we have with our primary school system. Staff need to be paid as public sector workers with the proper increments. Like the way that the system works is that if we're operating in maximum capacity then my income will always be x it will always be x i will never ever be able to grow the business because we can only operate at that level so that means if i have staff coming in they will be offered 25,000 a year and they have no opportunity for an increment because I can never increase my income. Mm-hmm. Do you know? So then as cost of living increases and so on, those staff end up being on poor salaries and here we are um, supporting them to get their degrees or, or they're coming in with their degrees and they have no chance of progression whatsoever. That is a broken system. Yeah, absolutely. And, and any um, sign of hope in this area at all? Is there anything coming back from government? Anything that might suggest there could be some progress here. To be fair, under both um, Catherine Sapone and under Minister O'Gorman, there has been in si- significant increases into the earlier sector but those increases are only amounting to 0.2% of GDP spend, where in, in other OECD countries, it's 1% spend in the earlier sector. So we are such at a baseline, at such a low baseline that it's going to take us a very long time to climb up that. But we, again we cannot be relying on this ad hoc development of a critical service 
service, they are actually going to have to take control and actually build more services and look at rewarding staff that are trained. They have the qualifications, but they're just working everywhere else but. Mm. Are you aware at all of any upcoming meetings on behalf of the sector, um, Kira? Yeah, I mean, there are active groups um, that, that we would that I would participate in as well, that where we are talking to the Minister. Minister O'Gorman did visit Northside Family Resource Centre last year and in fairness he did come to both our settings in Kings Island and Balananti and he listened and I, I do think he is interested and accepts that there is an issue but it, it's too late um, it, the, the, the change needs to actually happen right now. Right and Janet Whelan from your perspective any hope at all that you can see of your situation being resolved? Oh I I really don't know that's I just hope I suppose is all I have at the minute. Yeah because as you mentioned you know you have to work you, you need the incomes both you and your uh, partner's yeah. income coming into the house as well yeah yeah absolutely you know the costs are, are unfortunately going back to Kira's point the cost of living it's only going in one direction isn't it it is and it's, that's it it's, everything just keeps going up yeah nice. yeah. Um, when was your last contact on where you are on the waiting list Um, I called up two weeks ago and they just told me that I'm still on the list, didn't say whether he would have a place this term, but um, as soon as they go through the list, uh, they did let me know. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we're um, glad to highlight this issue again on the show because we are very conscious of the fact that it is having a major impact on a lot of listeners to this programme. You know, there's a lot of family strain as a result of uh, childcare uh, concerns uh, and then for people within the sector who are doing their very best as well, like uh, Kira Kane and the staff too, it is uh, a real worry as well. But thank you both very much for highlighting it again this morning. Forrest, that's Limerick Mum, Janet Whelan and in the studio, CEO of Northside Family Resource Centre, Kira Kane. Thank Thanks you, Kira. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.